0: Being up in Wyoming, and and the um, the crowd was definitely a home hometown crowd. Uh, I remember coming off the field with uh, getting getting showered with like uh, little whiskey bottles and uh, all kinds of sharp
1: objects. <laughs>
2: to the wild sports podcast i am your host david graff joined alongside me as always and for the first time in person robert muñoz yes that is right i am here in cheyenne wyoming and robert and i are recording the podcast together in the very same room for the very first time together An awesome episode aside from just being in the same room together. But we've got BYU legend, Chicago Bears legend, Super Bowl champion, football legend. He's just a legendary figure, Jim McMahon, on this week's episode to continue our rivalry month here on the podcast. We're going to have Steve Fairchild, former Colorado State quarterback and head coach next week on the podcast. But this week, it's Jim McMahon. We were stoked to have him. We spent a good solid chunk of time talking to him about his experiences playing the University of Wyoming while he was at BYU, what Lavelle Edwards was like, and Robert even threw him a curveball and wanted to know a little bit about a certain golf game. That may or may not have happened between McMahon and Michael Jordan. Also, in this episode, we're going to run down the University of Wyoming 2020 football schedule. Yes, it's happening. The Mountain West is actually going to be playing football, and the schedule has been released for this season for the University of Wyoming Cowboys. So, we're going to run that down really quickly. Then we'll get to Jim McMahon. And then to wrap up the podcast, East Central? Is it going to happen? If so, Robert's got the details that we need to be paying attention to, whether it's Friday, Saturday, or it gets postponed. We shall see, but Robert's got everything that we need to know about the biggest matchup in the high school football world this season. But first, Robert, how are you doing today?
3: David. Glad to have you here with me to record today. Doing great, man. It's a great day. It's a great evening. Aside from, you know, what we've been dealing with, all the smoke, coronavirus, smoke from the fire, which could potentially postpone the Cheyenne Central, Cheyennes football game, as well as the Cheyenne South and Rock Springs game. So, if it does get postponed, East and Central could play at noon on Saturday. And if uh, the air quality is still unhealthy, then they will play at 6 p.m. in Douglas on Saturday. And for Cheyenne South, they'll just be traveling west to Rock Springs. So, we'll see what unfolds over there, but... Yup, it's a great episode. Glad to to be here with you, man. Excited to get some Chick-fil-A.
2: Yeah, after the podcast, after I put this thing up, we are most certainly going to be dining on the finest chicken in the world from Chick-fil-A on Dell Range in Cheyenne. Not not the one in the mall. I've never been to the one in the mall. Only the freestanding Chick-fil-A for me in Cheyenne. We'll get into the high school football stuff more later, but right now, we want to break down the University of Wyoming football schedule. It was released. It is a strong schedule. The Arguably the toughest games are to begin the season and to end the season for the University of Wyoming. They kick it off at Nevada on October 24th, then they'll host for the very first time in 2020 the University of Hawaii on my birthday, Halloween, then they will follow that up a week later at Colorado State, November 14th versus the Air Force, the 21st versus Utah State, end of November at UNLV, December 5th at New Mexico, and then Oh, baby, the game that everybody always circles on their schedule, Boise State, travels to Laramie on December 12th. Now, that's, of course, if all things go to plan. We've seen in the NFL now and across college football that coronavirus loves to rear its ugly head. And it's kind of reared its ugly head on the University of Wyoming football team as well. A bunch of freshmen just weren't following the rules, and they, they dabbled with the coronavirus. They, there were quite a few cases among football freshmen that got diagnosed with COVID-19. Unfortunate, but like Xavier Valade told everyone else to the media, they're freshmen. I mean, that that's kind of what happens. You're not going to penalize them too much, but they'll learn their lessons, they'll take their lumps and the University of Wyoming football team isn't going to get distracted. Not going to let that put them down. It is a little over a little over 2 weeks away from kicking off at Nevada in Reno if all things go to plan, of course. So Robert, what are you looking forward to most? when that game happens? Well, I mean,
3: definitely looking forward to the quarterback situation, as we've talked about before and looking forward to Xavier Valade and the running backs as well. They have, you know, they have a strong core of running backs. They have the dual quarterbacks and they have that solid offensive line, except for Alonzo Velasquez, who is out for the season, which is a, big blow but a blow that the pokes can hopefully and probably and I think will recover from but as I look at the schedule man I really am uh, excited for that Air Force game Air Force is I mean they're good they stomped Navy they looked dominant People saying that they could potentially be a top 25 team. I don't know. There are teams in the top 25 right now that haven't even played. What's up with that? I mean, they should at least make sure these guys are playing a game, these Big Ten schools or whatever. I don't know, man, but I think that is the game I am most looking forward to at this point. And, of course, you know,
2: just the start of the season, Yeah, I would definitely circle that Air Force game. Air Force is a tremendous team. They're well-coached. They've got a great coach, and it's always fun when they come up to Laramie to play, just get on I-25 and then cut over on 80 or 287. I don't really know how Air Force takes the bus, but that game will be a real measuring stick in terms of it'll be the fourth game in Michael Katz earlier before, before we had our little group therapy session about the end of what we thought was going to be the end of the Mountain West football season. He circled at Nevada as one game that he thought Wyoming was really going to struggle with that, that trip, everything it entailed, Nevada potentially being a much improved team he really thought that that was going to be one that could present problems for Wyoming and it still could given that the quarterback situation is kind of up in the air are we going to see both Sean Chambers and Levi Williams in Reno or is one guy going to take the hold be the captain of the team be the captain Jack Sparrow and lead the ship I don't know those are questions that are still unanswered at this point but because of all those things that game could just kind of be a throwaway game it's the first game of the season you gotta obviously you don't want to start zero and one but you you could be okay with maybe not playing your best whereas you should beat Hawaii Hawaii's got a new coach they don't have Cole McDonald returning and there are no excuses. You always have to be jacked up and ready to beat the crap. You have to be jacked up and be you have to be jacked up and be ready to beat the Rams. Okay? There are no excuses. November 7th, you've got to win that game. You've got to beat Colorado State. And Colorado State has had all kinds of problems. Again, they've got a new coach. COVID maybe being covered up there. Who knows what's going down on, going on down in Fort Collins. But Air Force, this is a well-oiled machine. They've got a good program, just like University of Wyoming. So if Wyoming is for real, they take that game at home. So I like where your head's at, Robert.
3: Yeah, and now after the schedule is released, what did we – concur that UW will lose two games last week that's what we that's what we uh, agreed on
2: yeah we predicted that kind of no matter what it's it's pretty standard for wyoming football to drop two and at
3: this point now that you see the schedule david which two games look like i know you did you did you did just kind of say it. opening game university of nevada What's the number two game that maybe you could see a little bit of a struggle and possibly a loss?
2: Looking through the schedule, Nevada, toss-up. Hawaii, W, always count Colorado State as a W. Air Force, I will give the Pokes an advantage because it's in Laramie. It's a home game. You got to win home games. Utah State, though, new quarterback at home. You got to run them all the way back to Reno. They got to travel all the way to Reno because they overshot Logan. They they got beat so bad, all right? And then UNLV, joke of a program, got to beat them. Got to beat New Mexico at New Mexico to set up a big game to end the season at home. But Boise State's always tough. They're always tough. You can't just circle a win against the Broncos. Unfortunately, Robert's rubbing his hands like he's ready. He's ready to circle a win at the end of the season. I'm not quite there, but those the first and last game are certainly games that I could see Wyoming losing. Air Force, you never know. But they have five games, four, five games, They have five games on their schedule that are very winnable, very winnable, and set up perfectly.
3: Yeah, you say five games, David, but I mean I think there are six games on there that are very winnable, all except the Air Force and the Boise State game. So we just have to hope the Pokes come out game one and travel – to Reno and I mean, aren't as rusty as we're seeing these other teams in the first game of the season. So it's just what is it going to come down to who's uh, I mean, Wyoming is probably the better team. So
2: it might just come down to who's more fired up, who's more fired up to have football back.
3: That is, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna be more fired up it's gonna be you dub i haven't seen too much uh social media activity coming from the wolf pack have
2: you yeah i have no idea what the pulse is like in reno currently for unr football i i'm sure the pulse is is vibrating around the fact that they can't go to the casino and they're jonesing to chain smoke cigarettes and they can't because of covid. No, I I really do. I don't know what's going on in Reno aside from the fact that Carson Strong was named to the preseason watch list for the Maxwell Award, which is given to the the best over the college football season, which is kind of odd given that Nevada was awful, like truly genuinely horrendous last season. I mean, if you look at how many points they scored what what stood out from the quarterback play that he deserves that honor? I I really don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm struggling to see it. I mean, they did knock off Purdue 34-31. Then they followed up by putting up six points against Oregon, eked out a win over Weber State, then they put up three against Hawaii. Only three. Three against. Three against Hawaii. Wyoming as well. And they did make a bowl game. They lost to Ohio in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl that the Mountain West is supposed to win every single year. There are no excuses to losing to the MAC. There are no excuses for the Mountain West to lose on the blue turf. So for that very reason, Wyoming should teach them a lesson and say, you represent this conference. You represent them well, or we come to your house and we take all of your cookies and milk. We take all of the candy that you're going to leave out for trick-or-treating a week before Halloween. We storm into Reno and we win all the money from your casinos.
3: And that's what it's going to play out as right there. And that's why the Pokes only have a shot at losing, like we said last week, two games this season. Just two games. No Malik Henry. He's gone for Nevada. They, they, there's, yeah. Taking the candy, David.
2: Let's move on. I mean, it's that kind of mindset that's, that's going to be required to win that opening game. You're going to have to be fired up. There are going to be less fans than normal for a Nevada football game. Not by much, but less fans than usual. So you're going to have to do everything you can to psych yourself up, get ready to go, and start off this football season on a good note. I said there are three losable games. Obviously, if they lost all three I would be surprised and thoroughly disappointed. I think it's a very disappointing season if Wyoming loses more than two games. What do you think, Robert?
3: Severely disappointing? I don't know, because this is just a messed up season. I don't know if I can be severely disappointed, because who knows what the future holds. So... Yeah, like we talked about, is there, are there even is there even going to be postseason? We can't, we can be disappointed with the three losses if there's no po- postseason. But severely disappointed, I don't know. Again, it just brings me back to the whole idea that I'm happy we get to watch some UW football.
2: Yeah, at the end of the day, let's just enjoy the season. We can cry in our Cheerios later if there are too many losses or too few wins, depending upon your perspective. I know I certainly will be. I'll I'll have plenty of thoughts. They'll, they'll be played out over the course of this season on this very podcast. So we'll get to all those. I got way more thoughts. I'll have way more to break down as the season goes on. But for right now, let's get to our Rivalry Month interview for this week. Former BYU quarterback, former Super Bowl champion, former destroyer of Wyoming football dreams, and, and having potentially his own football dreams crushed by the University of Wyoming during his time in Provo when he lost to Wyoming his senior year and thought his Holiday Bowl dreams were over. That is one of his distinct college memories on the gridiron. Jim McMahon. Enjoy this interview with Jim McMahon, and we'll be talking about Cheyenne East, Cheyenne Central on the flip side. All right. I don't know really how to describe it, but I'm very excited. We've got one of the all-time great passers in college football history and BYU history, and a former Super Bowl champion joining us, Jim McMahon. Jim, how are you doing today?
0: Doing great, guys. Doing great.
2: Well, we're really Thanks happy. Well, we're really happy to have some of your time here. Really appreciate it. I just want to start off. This has been something that's it's always piqued my interest. In your autobiography, you talk about how your, your recruiting decision came down to UNLV, BYU, and Utah State. How did BYU end up winning out?
0: Uh, well, my dad thought the other schools weren't big enough. Uh, I wanted to go to Vegas. I had a great time in Vegas. I uh, got offered a lot to go there. And uh, I came home from that trip, said, Pop's I'm going to Vegas. And he said, no, it's not big enough school. And uh, the other schools, all I wanted to do back then was play baseball. So I wanted, I wanted to go to a school where they let me play both sports. And the only, really the only two that said I could play both was uh, BYU and UNLV. And since uh, UNLV wasn't big enough for my dad, that's how I ended up at BYU.
2: <laughs> I can imagine you having a great time in UNLV and in Vegas. So you end up going to U- BYU, and I know that Wyoming – is it's not their top rival, but it's certainly a fierce rivalry with BYU. What are your feelings about the University of Wyoming? Well,
0: I just remember going up there as a freshman. Uh, I was I was on the varsity squad as the punter, and uh, being being up in Wyoming and and the um, the crowd was definitely a home hometown crowd. Uh, I remember coming off the field with uh, getting getting showered with like. Uh, little whiskey bottles and uh, all kinds of sharp objects. But uh, yeah, they're, they're very passionate about their football. That's, that was my first introduction to Wyoming. And I thought, man, these, these people up here are pretty, uh, they're pretty into it. And um, I, I got to play against them my sophomore year in, in Provo. I remember, uh, I think I had a pretty, pretty big game that day. Uh ended up beating them. Uh, then I was red shirted and then, uh, I think we beat him again my junior year, but then we lost to him my senior year up in up in Laramie. I remember that. Uh, it was in a blizzard. It was so cold, and uh, I remember our coach, Lavelle Edwards, had told us that week that uh, it's going to be a beautiful day. We don't need any extra sweatshirts or nothing like that. And I remember we froze our butts off up there. And they, I remember they went in at halftime, changed their uniforms, had nice dry stuff on, and uh, they they took it to us that day for
4: sure. During your time at BYU, uh, where would you say Wyoming ranks in terms of rivalries against BYU?
0: Well, obviously our our biggest rival was the University of Utah. But, uh, you know, Wyoming was always – they always played us tough. And uh, like I said, they beat us my senior year. I thought it was going to keep us out of the bowl game. But then they – I forget who they lost to later on in the season. But – Eventually, you know, got us back into the Holiday Bowl. But uh, yeah, we we always, we never took them lightly, especially when we had to go up there. Uh, and it was always, always pretty good games.
4: I just want to ask kind of go away from BYU Wyoming. Is it true that Michael Jordan tried to wager you a million dollars on a game of golf, nine holes?
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, we were playing one day up at his club in Chicago. Uh, I can't remember the year it was, but uh, we, we got to play a lot of golf together. Uh, we played pool at my house together. I mean, he's a very competitive guy. And, uh, yeah, we were, we had a $100 match off. For those of you who understand golf, you know what that is. $100 on the front, the back, and then the overall. And you can press whenever you want. And uh, so I, I was playing pretty good that day. I probably had him down two or three bets on the front. And then I cheated up on 10, was ready to hit, and he said, Okay, I'll play this side for a million. And he was dead serious. Uh, and I, I wish I could have done it because, you know, I probably would have been okay that day. But, you know, knowing Michael and knowing his competitiveness, somehow he would have won that back nine. And then, I, you know, I told him, I said, For one thing, I don't even have a million dollars. I play for the Bears. You know, they were pretty notorious cheap. And, uh, I said, plus, I said, you know, my kids would never get to go to school if I had to, you know, pay you a million dollars. So, no. I said, we can continue the $100 presses if you'd like, and uh, that's what ended up happening. So, I ended up doing okay that day.
2: All right, going back to BYU, you mentioned that you guys lost that game in 1981, your senior season, and upset by the Pokes and Laramie. And your coach, Lavelle Edwards, after the game said, I would rather lose and live in Provo than win and live in Laramie. How how can you relate to that comment?
0: Well, it's that's coming from a, a true Mormon guy that wanted to be in Provo.
2: Um,
0: yeah, I thought Laramie, beautiful country up there. Uh, I enjoyed myself. I've, I've got buddies that that live up in Montana, so I get to drive through Wyoming to go see them. Uh, I've always enjoyed
4: it. That's that's a
0: typical home. You know, Homer's statement.
4: David and I always talk about how Craig Bull is great at developing players at Wyoming. We know that BYU had great quarterbacks, you obviously, and a couple others through Lavelle Edwards' time as the head coach down there. Just how great was he at developing players as well?
0: Well, I always thought the. Uh,
4: the genius of
0: Lavelle Edwards was that he hired good coaches and he let them coach. Uh, I played for three different offensive coordinators in the five years that I was there. Um, Two of them were very good. One of them was awful. He only lasted a year. Thank God. But uh, I think that was, that was the genius of Lavelle. I mean, he hired really good people and he let them do their thing. Uh, He still had the final say on everything being the head coach, but for the most part, uh, the coaches, uh, you know, they ran the offense and defense, and Lavelle just oversaw everything.
2: What are your favorite memories of playing for Lavelle?
0: Uh, playing, you know, I, I wasn't real fond of the my first year. I like I said, I made the varsity as a punter. I uh, got into a couple of couple of games my freshman year. Uh, my sophomore year, I ended up playing or beating out Mark Wilson halfway through the year. I made all confidence that year. I think I was the first sophomore to do that as a quarterback. And then the the following year I was redshirted, And, um, that was not a fun year at all. I almost left BYU because of that. Um, and you know, I didn't feel it was you know, fair that, you know, I had to sit out just because somebody else, you know, was they wanted somebody else to play. And so, um, but I was glad I ended up sticking it out and, uh, got to play my last two years and, and had some pretty good years. Won their, won their first bowl game in 1980 and then we, we won again in 1981. So I uh, was able to finish up on a good note. Do
4: you think maybe if you would have gone and played at a different college, you would have ended up being as successful as you were?
0: Well, like I told my dad back in, you know when I was getting recruited, I think he was worried about me going out to the next level. And I was never worried about that. I knew that I had this. The ability um, to play on the next level. So I, I don't think it would have mattered where I played. I think as far as being ready to play when I got to the NFL, I think I, I, was, I was I was much more ahead uh, had I been anywhere else had I gone to any other school. Because you know, I learned I learned a hell of a lot about football at, at BYU, especially offense and and how to read defenses and uh, you know how to play the position.
2: You mentioned earlier. Wyoming losing and then you guys getting back into that holiday bowl they actually lost in 1981 to your rival University of Utah you played in two holiday bowls they're both extremely memorable but what besides besides the game winning Hail Mary sticks out to you from both those bowl game appearances
0: oh boy probably the uh, the kick uh, the punt return that Vi Sikahima did just before halftime of, of the SMU game kinda of gave us some life. Um Vi was a freshman at the time and I, I told him right after that play, I said, Hey man, I said that that could be the spark that gets us going and it certainly was. It was for me. Uh that's what I remember about that game and then uh, as far as the I think it was Washington State we played in the next year. And uh, we were, I think we were ahead thirty-one to seven at half, and um, I think we won thirty-eight thirty-six or something like that. So we only scored once in the second half, and that was kind of uh, a little different because um, we were used to not playing in the second half. You know, my senior year, I don't think I played many much time in the second half in, in any of our games. So uh, you know, having to having to play that whole second half and not doing much because we were just trying to run the ball out, and, you know, it was kind of boring, but. You know they they got them back in the football game we we almost ended up losing that because we we got complacent
4: um we've had a couple of other old Wyoming players old from back in the day on the podcast, and we asked them and I just kind of want to ask you what was it like playing in the old rugged whack in the back there in the eighties
0: <laughs> <laughs> well when I first came or first got to college, I remember Arizona and Arizona state were still in the whack along with Wyoming, Utah, uh, Colorado state, uh, who else was in our leagues? So, well, San Diego State in there. I'm not, I can't remember. I know we've played them quite a few times, but, uh, yeah, it was, you know, that at the time that conference wasn't, uh, you know, nationally ranked probably like it should have been. You know, I think, uh, you know, we we played a lot of teams outside of the outside of the WAC conference. You know, we, we went to the Big Ten and the Big Twelve, and uh, we played some pretty big name schools. But it was usually only one one big game a year, you know, outside of our conference. And uh, you know, if you don't win those games and win them impressively, uh, you still you still weren't going to get a whole lot of press back east. But uh, we started winning, and then you know, uh, you know, the national press started you know coming around and saying, "Hey, these guys." You know these teams aren't that bad out here in the WAC, and uh, we finally got some, uh, you know, national recognition and and proved that we, you know, we can play with the big boys.
2: Back when you played BYU was in the WAC, and now they're an independent. What do you think of BYU as an independent?
0: Well, again, I think Tommy Homel is, is the athletic director there. He was a teammate of mine at, uh, at BYU. I think he's doing a heck of a job. Um, he's trying to get, you know, big names on their schedule because, you know, once you go independent, you know, you can't just play, you know, the, the pushovers around the country. you got to play big-name schools if you want to be ranked. And, uh, you know, I think he's done a great job getting him, you know, big-name opponents, and now they just have to start winning most of those games and they'll be, you know, they'll climb back up in the rankings where they should be.
2: I know that when you left college, you left BYU and Provo, You've said that your favorite memory was leaving. How how have you smoothed that relationship with the school back over in the following years?
0: Well, at the time, that's how I felt. I mean, I was uh, wasn't real happy with the way things had gone at, at BYU. Um, you know, I had to deal with a lot of a lot of stuff. Most people don't. You know, I. Like everybody else that I ever talked to, um, and my teammates, they they all enjoyed their college life, their college experience, and uh, other than other than athletics, college experience was not a whole hell of a lot of fun for me. Um, I think I was on probation pretty much every year I was there, and um, you know, just it just was, it didn't feel like college life to me, like like everybody else. Like had had I gone to Vegas, <laughs> I mean, that that would have been a college
4: experience,
0: but. You know, it was just it was just very different. Um, but uh, over the years, you know, I never thought I would graduate. And you know, I left school. I was I was five classes short of graduation, and you know, just, after being redshirt, I should have been able to finish. But since I didn't get to play that year, I didn't go to class either. So I was I was pretty far behind. But uh, you know, over the years, it's just been uh, you know, my dad wanted me to graduate. My mom, uh, Lavelle was on me about you know getting my degree because they wouldn't put me in their hall of fame unless I graduated. So, uh, I had to go through, uh, five classes. It was five years ago. I was doing homework and doing homework when you're 55 years old sucks. Let me tell you, I, I didn't like doing it when I was 18. I sure as hell didn't want to do it when I was 55, but I was able to finish those five classes. Uh, got my diploma, uh, and they put me in their hall and I put me up, put my name up on the stadium. So I was I was able to do that just before Lavelle passed away. So it was uh it was a nice thing to get done before uh Lavelle went.
2: Well, Jim, we really appreciate you spending so much time. Wanna wrap it up with wrap it up here with what are you up to nowadays? What what is occupying most of your time? I know five years ago it was homework, so what are you doing here in twenty twenty?
0: Well, this year has been a crazy year, as everybody knows. You know, I've spent a lot of time, uh, at home in my yard, uh, digging holes and transplanting cactus, cutting down trees. And, uh, this is the first summer that I actually spent the whole summer in Arizona, which is not a fun deal. You know, 118 degrees out there in the heat and, uh, working hard. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm just, uh, I'm getting involved in a, in a cannabis company out of California. And, uh. I've been a big advocate of that pretty much my whole life. And uh, now it's all, oh, you know, the, the stigma is kind of going away that, you know, the, we've been lied to over a hundred years about cannabis. So I think people are finally starting to realize that, uh, you know, this plant is actually good for you and it is good for you. And we have, we have uh, receptors in our bodies for this plant. We're supposed to be using it, not taking all these pills that the, uh, you know, the pharmacists are shoving down your throat and team doctors to get you back out on the field. And, uh, so that's what I'm doing now. Just trying to, you know, I've got uh, four grandkids now, one on the way. So get to spend spend a little bit of time with my grandkids. And uh, other than that, I just bought a house in Mexico. Uh, my fiance is from there, and uh, looking forward to spending some time down there. And especially if Trump doesn't win, I'm going to be spending a lot of time down there. It seems like the way things are going.
2: Well. Thank you, Jim, for the time and for sharing some stories from your amazing life. Really appreciate it. Jim McMahon, everybody.
0: Well, I appreciate the time, guys. Sorry I was late today. Like I said, I've been running around crazy. Just got home last night from Ohio, and I'll leave for Mexico tomorrow. So I apologize for being late today, but uh, thanks for having me on, guys.
2: And we're back, and I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Jim McMahon. It was certainly a treat for Robert and myself and a special shout out to Jeremiah because this is a special episode for him since Jim McMahon was a sporting icon for him growing up as a youth. So hope, hope that he enjoyed our interview and that we didn't miss any questions. If not, we can try to get you in touch with Jim and you guys can Hook up for a Zoom call or something. I don't, I don't know how busy his schedule is. If if he ends up moving down to Mexico, that might complicate things. So, Robert, what was your biggest takeaway from the interview? I just I was laughing the whole time. Jim McMahon's just a character. I don't know if he's moving down to Mexico. To me, it seems like he's gonna
3: have a whole lot of free time. So,
2: yeah, the, there's the flip side. Maybe he's all he's gonna do is field Zoom calls all day. From fans, I you're right. You're totally right. But uh,
3: I don't know. I think uh, it's pretty funny. He just wanted to go to Vegas, the Sin City. McMahon wanted to go play for the Running Rebels, and it just is fitting. So I thought that was pretty pretty comical there, David.
2: Yeah, to pull a line from the hangover, Vegas would probably still have a hold of Jim McMahon had he gone there in college, and we probably wouldn't have been treated to all of his on-field success on the football field. So glad his dad talked him into BYU. I don't know. He said
3: he was going to be successful no matter where he went. That's true. And I love that confidence.
2: That's true. He has supreme confidence. So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We'll never know. It it could be a fun alternate reality or uh, something to mock up on one of your old school NCAA football games on whatever platform that you've got. We're going to wrap up the podcast here. It's a huge week on the gridiron in the state of Wyoming, Cheyenne East, Cheyenne Central. They meet, whether it's here in Cheyenne or up in Douglas, but they're going to get a game played and they're going to basically decide who's the best team at 4A. So I wanted to just get three thoughts from Robert. Just let us know. What do we need to know going into this matchup? We know that these are both great teams led by great quarterbacks and they've got a lot of talent on both sides, but give us the rundown. And then we'll wrap up the podcast here. Well, we
3: have two of the top three defenses in 4A with East giving up 311 yards a game sitting at third and Central giving up a mere 282 yards a game sitting in second. And then, I mean, two of the top offenses, East number one, they're uh they're averaging four hundred and sixty-five yards a game, thirty-eight points a game, and Central is I mean, right behind them, four hundred and twenty-one yards a game and thirty-five points a game. It's gonna be it's gonna be I don't know if it's gonna be a defensive game, is it gonna be a shootout? Might just be a shootout because two of the top three quarterbacks are playing in this game in class four A. Graydon Buell for East, Andrew Cummins. And then, the top two receivers in four A are going at it, and then they're going to be covering each other. Uh, that's uh, it's that's gonna be it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a good game. Whole lot of athletes on the field. Whole lot of playmakers. Two great teams, who seem to be who are very well coached. I'm just more anxious. I'm I'm leaning toward it's going to be a shootout. I'm leaning toward there are going to be a lot of tweets coming, a whole lot of scoring plays because I think, I don't know, I just think that's the way it's going to play out.
2: What are you most looking forward to for this game? I think I am most looking forward to
3: uh That matchup between those two receivers and DBs, like I was saying, and that's what Jeremiah wrote about today, and he brought that to my attention, and I didn't realize it either. That's what he is uh, doing for his Gridiron Game of the Week feature, Andrew Johnson versus Jackson Hesford of East, and those guys are going to battle, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know who's going to win. I'm not going to make any type of predictions whatsoever. I'm just going to go and enjoy watching two great teams play football under hopefully some Friday night lights.
2: So I can't get any prediction from you whatsoever?
3: No prediction come out of me for this game. I'm sorry. Who has more passing yards? Graydon Buell for Cheyenne East has more passing yards.
2: Which receiver ends up with more receiving yards?
3: I'm going to say... I'm going to say... Andrew Johnson has more receiving yards, but only because East, I think, has a couple more weapons on the outside, which allows Buell to, you know...
2: That's fair. Spread it around a little bit. That's fair. But not by much. All right, there are predictions since we can't get a score prediction out of Robert. I've been asking him all day, and he won't budge on that. So I thought when we were rolling, he might change his mind. But thank you for listening to another episode of the Y.O. Sports Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed our talk about the Wyoming football schedule and then our interview with Jim McMahon and for wrapping it up here with Some local Cheyenne sports battles. Cheyenne East versus Cheyenne Central. The whole city of Cheyenne will be focused on that, on that big time matchup. Well, of course, Cheyenne South, they play Rock Springs as well. So if you like South, then you may not be as tuned into East versus Central like we will be. But that'll do it for this episode. Thank you to ShakeWell for the music. Please continue to rate and review the podcast. It's, it's awesome seeing those reviews grow and seeing the subscriber count tick a little bit up each week. So we really appreciate that. And please continue to share with your friends. We'll talk to you next week. We'll have more thoughts on the outcome of the East Central game. And then Steve Fairchild, former Colorado State quarterback and head coach and assistant coordinator, all sorts of coaches at Colorado State. He spent way too much time in Fort Collins. So we'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, stay safe and enjoy football this weekend.
1: trying to prove uh, uh, who you want to impress now, now baby. baby I see you think you've got moves so, so smooth, smooth but you do not how would it take you past this dance so you better forget